Can you hear me? You can, yes. Sweet, Carter. Yeah, you sound good. Just waiting on uh, Brain Jar to join. Oh, there it goes. Welcome, welcome. Yo. <clears throat> What's up? Good morning, sir. Can you hear me? Yep. Another day, another IBC connection to Composable, question mark? Exactly. That's what we do. <laughs> the, the kings of light, light clients. Exactly. Any chain, any any time you need a light client, call us. I'll be sitting there building it um, together with everybody at Composable. That's our mission. Yeah, that's you guys have been moving crazy, crazy fast. How's the how's the reception and and growth been from your perspective? Like, because I feel like you guys are starting to see a lot more traction in the last couple months. I I could be wrong, but it feels like. There's been some real tangible, great progress. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, a lot of people just talk about IBC everywhere. Like, multiple teams have sort of tried and not taken things over the finish line. I think, like, the, the biggest thing about IBC to other ecosystems is just simply putting these things into production. Like, end of the day, Wormhole, Axelar, Layer Zero have been in production for, you know, at least over a year. Um, whereas Cross Ecosystem IBC just started like in July um, because of the work that we did with, with Polkadot. <clears throat> and so, like, one of the things that we learned is, you know, starting with this Polkadot connection was very helpful to understand how to put a system like this into production um and to be honest it's a lot of other teams really really underestimate the uh go to production step i think a lot of people you know if they have the right team and the right sort of know-how can definitely make contributions to the space with respect to ibc but this like kind of learning that you do by just doing it is something really valuable and i think it's you know now that we're past that it's easier for us to put out something like eth ibc you know in short order solana ibc and other ecosystems we're looking to do over the next couple of months and how much does that like because every every chain is going to have its own quirks but there's also going to be similarities from like an abstracted out high level so in the process of you know, making that initial connection to Polkadot, has, do, you, do you feel like there's really good progress on the generalization or do you feel like every single connection is going to be its own kind of customized set of quirks? Well, yeah, I mean, so 
there's a bit of history here. So like <clears throat> IBC Go as a package for Cosmos Chains itself was very um, limited in terms of cross ecosystem functionality. We worked a lot with Susanna and a bunch of the interchain uh, IBC team to like fix that and make it more generalizable. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's kind of been that was like a necessary step for us to do all this other stuff. And then also we had to build a brand new relayer because relayers still are Cosmos to Cosmos specific. So we had to build this relayer called Hyperspace. But we're working with the informal team to try to release a version of Hermes that like is more generalizable and can be used for multiple ecosystems. And so the like infrastructure generalization piece has, you know, has been unlocked, you know, which is great, which makes things definitely easier, but definitely every chain is going to have its own specific implementations, but we had to sort of start from zero, like completely zero. Um, and, and now at least we're starting, you know, with each new integration, we're sort of more so at like 50 now. Yeah. That's before I hand it back to you, Red, I guess my, my last question is, do you think there's a reason it was only Cosmos to Cosmos initially? Like, um, engineering wise is, is why was it funneled down to that level of specificity as opposed to starting more abstract? Do you think that's just a natural byproduct of IBC trying to go to market quickly or was there something in the tech stack that biased it towards that level of simplicity? Yeah, I think a, it was just like, we want to, you know, Cosmos wanted to shift something quickly. Um, and I think B, I don't think anyone really, I think people said, oh yeah, we'll do IBC everywhere. But I don't think anyone actually decided to, to like do it really and have that conversation um, and orchestrate it with these various teams. Um, like we had to, we, you know, we still do, but we basically had to communicate with like multiple organizations in the Cosmos ecosystem, like we definitely spent six months trying to just speak to the right people and and organize things properly. Um, and so like, we just had to go in there and chew a bunch of glass, quite frankly. And I don't think anyone really wanted to do that. We were sort of up for the challenge because um, I'm very interested in like a future that has seamless, you know, cross domain, intense and I've been rugged by wormhole and centralized bridges like as a user. And so I sort of don't envision a future where those protocols actually continue to exist. Um, so this was important to us to put in this work and actually make this a reality. Amazing. Well, it was a, Blistering start to the Twitter space. The, my, my curiosity kind of got ahead of me there. So I'll hand it back over to Red for, for introductions and we'll quickly hit the reset button and go from there. So Red, the floor is yours. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I actually, something Pranjar uh, mentioned just a moment ago about the relayers. I want to touch on that in just a little bit. But to kick this off, I want to thank Composable team for being here. Thank you, Carter, for being here to discuss collaboration between Composable Finance and Shade Protocol. 
Um, Want to kick this off and Brandjar, I'll give you a, a moment to kind of give a quick introduction to what Composable Finance is um, and what you guys have built thus far. I know it's been a long journey for you guys, uh, probably just as long, if not longer, than uh, Shade Protocol's history. But give you a second to give a little high-level overview. Yeah, sure. So I'm Brainjar. We started Composable in 2021. Um, our focus has really always been how to provide the best possible experience on chain for for users and the vision has kind of always been three core principles first is user expression so like simplicity of you know defining what you want to do the second is um having everything be on chain so like making sure that there's this notion of routing and solving and the third pillar is interoperability. And so um, since we, we essentially started working on all of these things at, at kind of the same time, and then quickly realized that actually interoperability still sucks and layer zero, you know, running around saying, oh yeah, we work with Google Cloud now and people clapping, you know, like, that's kind of a dystopian future that I see coming. Um, like that's not the reason why any of us got into crypto in the first place. And so we decided to really focus on the base layer before focusing on the other two layers. And so we went down this path of generalizing IBC and then extending it to the Polkadot ecosystem first. And then now we're working on, um, multiple other domains as well now in parallel. Um, and what's also exciting is that these two additional layers on top of this inter interoperability work are also nearing production readiness. And like, you know, we're excited to release some really cool user interfaces that let people be able to do, you know, intense or swapping, lending, other activities across multiple different chains powered by IBC. And so the way I see it is it's been a while, it's been a journey. It's been like a multi-year journey, but um, we're still sort of early as, as far as like, what does all of this stuff actually look like in the end? That's awesome. I really appreciate that high level overview. Um, and, I, I happen to have the the good fortune of seeing where Composable Finance kind of started uh, in late, well, a little bit after you guys started in late uh, 2021. And it, it's been kind of crazy watching the same growth, um, obviously in different arenas, but uh, seeing similar levels of growth and determination from Composable team um, that the Shade team has uh, displayed over those past two years as well. It's crazy to think that we're over that two-year mark now as well. Um, but on that note, Carter, uh, it looks like we've got a bunch of uh, folks from uh, Composable and Picasso communities. Would you mind giving a quick introduction of Secret Network, as that's the actual network that Composable is uh, connecting uh, to other .sama uh, chains? And then just give a quick introduction of uh, what Shape Protocol is. For sure. So Secret Network is a layer one uh, blockchain where all the nodes on the network run these secure enclaves. 
and so what this enables is you essentially can have encrypted state uh, that can take in an encrypted input uh, within within these uh, secure enclaves decryption can happen computations can happen and the state can be updated and the net result is these nodes can't even look inside of these secure enclaves and this allows us to have encrypted smart contracts where your metadata is, is protected which is super super powerful because right now in decentralized finance on something like ethereum uh, you have these front-running attacks and these sandwich attacks that are costing and retail users billions and billions of dollars. Um, you have liquidation price points where uh, people's perpetual swaps that are three million in the red are being tweeted about and tracked. Um, how can we expect institutions and everyday folks to use these blockchains when they're facing these programmatic actors that are taking advantage of the asymmetry of information? And so at Shape Protocol, we're trying to build out encrypted private DeFi because fundamentally, Encryption doesn't care if you have $100 million or $10. It's going to offer you the same types of protections. And uh, we believe that privacy is the key to unlocking the full value of decentralized finance. Wonderful. So obviously with this, with this collaboration between Composable Finance and Shade, the, some of the first steps that had to be uh, completed was actually connecting uh, the Polkadot ecosystem and the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, which ultimately led to the connection between Secret Network and Picasso. Uh, Brainjar, I was just curious if you'd want to provide any detail on like the the main steps involved with connecting uh, Picasso or or any of these other .sama uh, chains to Cosmos ecosystem chains, or I guess really any chain in particular. I know that Secret Network is obviously a little bit different than some of the other other Cosmos chains, and you know we had to adjust some of what's done on the front end as a result. But like, what are the main steps to to actually connecting with another chain? Yeah, so like in IBC, we have this concept of like client verification. So you have like clients on both sides, um, and so you know we have this client called the wasm client which stores a light client of polka dot consensus and uh we also operate a cosmos chain um that sort of serves as this first connection um between you know the dotsama ecosystem and the cosmos ecosystem mainly because there's uh people have sort of don't really necessarily want to maintain a brand new like client and so you know we just said okay yeah we'll spin up a chain and and maintain the connect the connections to all these different ecosystems once you have these two like clients on these different chains um you can spin up a relayer in this case you have a relayer between our cosmos chain and polka dot and um another relayer between the cosmos chain and secret and essentially once it's been tested and seems like transfers are working, you're now sort of, you're now IBC enabled. Um, there's some additional details like packet forward middleware is something we use um, to be able to just do like multi-hop transfers. Um, there's also some specification from Polymer about uh, multi-hop channel things. Um, I don't know if that's actually gonna go into production ever but that is something we're interested in uh potentially using but but yeah that's that's generally the, the steps 
Now, I'm glad you, you brought up the relayers there because, you know, one of the key pieces of infrastructure, you know, being able to allow IBC to kind of do its thing where users can transfer data or, or assets in between chains is the need uh, for these relayers. Um, and you had mentioned that you guys have a relayer between uh, Composable and Picasso. Uh, does that relayer function any differently than uh, the relayers that we see uh, commonly in the Cosmos? No, so it's exactly the same. And, um, you know, something, something that we're interested in doing is solving the relayer incentivization problem. Um, uh, so, so like... You speak in my language. That was my follow-up question. <laughs> Do you guys have any uh, thoughts on, like, how you can improve relaying? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think in the next three to, three to four months, probably even earlier, we will be showing signs of having solved the relayer incentivization problem. And let me basically explain how. Um, the TLDR is um, IBC begets order flow. An order flow is inherently valuable. And everyone's been talking about how cross-chain MEV is a meme. Um, it's not going to be a meme because once you have these different ecosystems connected over IBC, you can now do some very interesting things like, like submit a whole bunch of transfers, a whole bunch of swaps together in like a single transaction. And obviously those swaps and things are valuable um, and searchers would be willing to pay for that order flow. Probably other actors too, like, um, proposers in the Solana ecosystem where there really aren't that uh, the presence of builders. And so I believe that relayers actually become a very key piece of infrastructure for capturing cross-chain MEV. And as such, we're thinking about building like a really, really souped up fast, um, fast relayer to sort of demonstrate this. This is a collaboration we're studying with um, Robust Incentives Group at the Ethereum Foundation is beginning to understand how do people actually value these things. That's freaking awesome. That, that's really awesome. Um, I know, I, I remember doing testing on the, the Trustless Bridge uh, whenever it was still in beta. And I think at the time you guys were the only relayer between Picasso and uh, Composable Chain on the Cosmos side. Is that still the case? Or are you guys looking, or is relaying permissionless? Like anybody can spin up a relayer. Anyone can spin up a relayer. Fully, fully permissionless. That's awesome. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So now, you know, now that we have a decent understanding of how you guys are connecting to general Cosmos chains that already kind of have IBC enabled, um, you had mentioned that you're working to expand IBC to other ecosystems beyond uh, the Polkadot and the Cosmos. You had mentioned Solana in Ethereum. Um, do you mind telling us just a little bit about your plans for this expansion of IBC and like how you're choosing which ecosystems to go after first? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So for me, I think the biggest thing, like this decision comes down to like two core decisions, uh, sorry, two core variables. The first variable is like, do people use the chain? <laughs> Um, and the second variable is 
like do i expect that more usage of this chain will ha will sort of occur in the next 12 months um and for us ethereum was kind of a no-brainer because you know that's also sort of my background and a lot of the composable team is like og DeFi degenerates um so it made a lot of sense for us to like quote unquote come home and and create this connection and then solana i think is very interesting to us as well because like my overall belief is that most swap volume in the crypto industry is going to trend towards settling on Solana in, in general. Um, whereas Ethereum sort of becomes a settlement layer for, for rollups and for like um, lending protocols, yield farming, anything that requires sticky, slow moving TVL. My thesis is it stays in, in Ethereum. And anything that sort of is just like someone trying to do a swap, um, you know, why would you swap ETH USDC on Uniswap when you can swap ETH USDC on Orca for like a tenth of the cost, probably a one one hundredth of the cost? Um, so, so I think how we choose the ecosystems is reliant on, you know, a like the people we know in the ecosystem, like different projects we're excited about working with. And B, it would be sort of how much do we expect order flow to grow in that ecosystem? And for me, I'm I'm really bullish on Solana, you know, dramatically increasing order flow over the next 12 months. But also something like Arbitrum is very interesting to us. Um, when you compare Arbitrum versus Optimism or even Base, uh, I think it's pretty obvious who is the sort of DeFi leader. And as such, I think it's definitely an ecosystem we're also excited about. Yeah, this just gets my the gears going in my head, thinking that, you know, if if Composable is able to kind of extend IBC to Ethereum and Solana, that means in, in theory, all of the assets on Cosmos chains that are IBC enabled could have a um, you know, a, a safe route to be utilized within these other ecosystems. You know, we obviously there are other bridging protocols, like you mentioned, Axlar, Wormhole, uh, some of these who have already made um, some, some Cosmos assets available on, uh, on Ethereum. But this sounds like you guys are doing this in a, taking a much different approach to this, you know, being able to do it through IBC uh, versus having these, uh, I guess what you would consider like your traditional uh, bridging experience. Um, so that, that's really cool. That gets, it gets my gears going on uh, wanting to ex extend uh, some of our private DeFi assets, um, expand those into these other ecosystems. Obviously, you know, we want to make sure that our home base for these assets is, is well taken care, well taken care of, but we are very interested in, ultimately expanding the reach of things like silk and shade, especially um, silk with its uh, unique utility. But I want to want to take a second to kind of shift gears here. So obviously, uh, you guys have connected Picasso and by extension, the Dotsama ecosystem to Secret Network. I want to talk a little bit about what this means for both Composable Finance uh, and Shade Protocol. So from our side, um, we just launched two new pools for Dot Assets. 
on ShadeSwap. Um, that is the Silk Dot pools and the Shade Pika pools. So that was the first kind of introduction of uh, Dot Sama assets into Secret Network, which is a really, really cool, um, really cool achievement for multiple reasons. One, expanding liquidity uh, for users to swap and get exposure to these assets um, is important for those looking to, uh, you know, expand their exposure to some of these assets. And also, I mean, this isn't only beneficial for being able to swap. Dot represents a really um, a really good type of collateral for use in borrowing lending protocols, CDP stable coins, um, and a few other different types of leverage products. And so we're really excited from our side to be able to expand, um, you know, expand the, uh, the reach of some of these better, better in quotes, types of collateral uh, to be used in some of these um, leverage products. Um, and Actually, just out of curiosity, are there any other markets other than I know Pika is it Pika and Dot are both available on Osmosis. Are there any other Cosmos chains where Pika and Dot bridged via Composable are available in the Cosmos? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have pools open on Astroport on Neutron. Um, I think we also have a Dot pool on Save. Maybe um, I'm not sure if someone just opened that, uh, but those are kind of the primary. Neutron Osmosis and uh, Secret are like the primary chains we've been targeting for DeFi. Um, maybe doing something on Injective is is in the cards, um, but like not super obvious. Like what to to like what decks to like open a pool on? Um, I guess Astroport. But yeah, appreciate it. Art. This is an arbitrager's delight. What you just exactly. said, <laughs> uh, Carter. I, I was just curious before I go on. Um, do you have any uh, initial thoughts on being able to uh, launch these uh, new dot asset pools, the the Shade Pika pool and the Silk Dot pool? I think it's just like a really cool opportunity for Polkadot folks that want to check out Cosmos and also value privacy. I mean, Shade Protocol has the most comprehensive private DeFi suite in crypto, to my knowledge. Um, with more coming with the money market, with prepaid debit cards that you'll be able to load up with Silk, uh, with our private perpetual swaps under development. I think it's just going to be super cool for, for dot folks that are looking to kind of be highly experimental and mess around in Cosmos and have their privacy preserved. Um, separate from that, I think it's just such a cool case study of two massive ecosystems coming together, pow powered by Composable. And I think dot is super quality collateral just like adam is so uh there's no reason that we can't have dot be a huge percentage of silks backing right like it's going to take some work there's definitely some liquidity deals that would probably have to get done to kind of empower that but um if everything goes well and ibc connects everyone to everyone then the co then the concept of like like what does it mean to be a cosmos chain it's like well IBC and like a certain wallet expectation, right? Like in terms of like, from like a user's perspective. So I think the work Composable is doing is really blurring the lines of what it, it means to be in the Cosmos ecosystem. And, and that's a great thing. It, those lines should become blurrier and blurrier. And what, should, and what we should be focused on is, is, is users having a seamless experience traversing the entirety of Web3. So um, the, the, the closer those gaps get, 
the more seamless that interoperability experience there is, the better it is for all of us. So just very excited to see uh, Composable continue to, to blur the lines. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think for a lot of people, at least this was me when I first uh, was exposed to the Cosmos, is like the thing that I thought of most when I thought about the Cosmos ecosystem was IBC, like this interoperability of blockchains uh, to be able to transfer data and assets um, trustlessly and seamlessly. And the work that Composable has been doing is, like you said, helping extend that outside of what, um, you know, those, those core chains that either use Cosmos SDK or that support Kepler, you know, maybe some of the other variables that some people think about when they think about uh, what is a Cosmos chain. Um, so that's awesome. And, and kind of related to that, we also, um, along with these new pools that we launched on ShadeSwap, the Shade Pika and the Dot Silk pools, we also just launched, uh, or I want to, I, I think some of them are already, already launched, if I'm not mistaken, I'll, I want to go back and check, but um going to be having uh, these new pools on Pablo Finance, which is a DEX on Picasso. Um, yep. Looking to have Silk, Shade, and Secret LPs. Um, Ranger, would you mind telling us just a little bit about Pablo Finance for anyone who uh, might just have been using Cosmos DEXs in the past? Um, can you give us just a quick rundown of Pablo Finance? Yeah, yeah. So Pablo is this DEX. That, so, we, so like we're not a DEX project. Like we're not trying to like compete with Astroport or Osmosis or anything, but like we weren't really, um, there's no DEXs that like make me super excited uh, within the Dotsama ecosystem. There's Stellaswap, I guess, on Moonbeam. But, you know, we, we think that it's important to have this like AMM that is at the crossroads of like mul of multiple ecosystems. That's why we built Pablo. And so Pablo has pools of like dot atom, you know, uh, ST atom dot, like a bunch of really interesting pools that I think um, would actually make osmosis per uh, uh, Pablo pretty interesting if more people knew about it. But um you know, it's, it's in the Kusama ecosystem, so it's a little bit different than like swapping on Cosmos. You have to make a Polkadot.js account either through Talisman or Nova Wallet or, or just Polkadot.js. And once you've bridged over, uh, you then use that account to do, to do swaps. And the volume is actually quite high uh, there. Probably people just arbitraging the differences between Osmosis and and Pablo. Um, so I think Pablo over time is definitely going to see more interest from from people um, because of this like cross ecosystem arbitrage stuff. And you had mentioned Adam there. Are there any other Cosmos assets um, outside of Secret Network assets and Adam that are listed on Pablo? Yeah, there's Osmo. Um, there's IST, there's, uh, I believe, Neutron as well. Yeah, there's like pretty much all the major assets. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and um, for anyone who hasn't gotten to try out app.trustless.zone uh, for bridging assets between Picasso and Composable or, or really just bridging assets from Cosmos to dot summit ecosystem highly suggest you check it out uh you know 
uh, I'm pretty biased towards, you know, appreciating the shade bridge um, as, you know, we put quite a bit of work into being able to handle all the automatic wrapping, the, the uh, tracking transactions as they're moving from chain to chain. But you guys did such a killer job, especially, you know, I liked the beta version. Uh, and then seeing, you know, how that changed into your full production bridge um, and how smoothly it works now. You guys did a, an awesome job with that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Is there any, just out of curiosity, um, you know, as you guys look to onboard um, these new connections for other chains, are you guys looking to do anything interesting or, or unique with uh, the Trustless Zone bridge? Like different than what you guys have done uh, thus far? Yeah, I think I think we are going to launch like very cross ecosystem pools in Ethereum DeFi land, essentially. So, like as an example, there's a pool that I think could be very very interesting, which is like USDT from Kava paired with USDT from Ethereum, um, and like people basically swapping between the bridged asset and the native asset. And I think having these pools like in these different locations, like Solana as well, uh, I think could be very, very interesting because then we're essentially offering a very similar product to layer zero Stargate, where people can swap between the bridged and the native, which has kind of been the, the main thing that layer zero has been talking about all the time, which is like, oh yeah, we offer native assets. Um, so even if you don't trust the bridge, you know, you can swap out to something that's native. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting. And like how we're going to get the liquidity is like the way curve works is you have to go try to get curve emissions. So you have to try to speak to people who have locked up V curve um, to to bribe these, to essentially like uh, support these gauges. And once you have CRV emissions, um, I think, you know, that's when the pool sort of really comes to life. Uh, and so we're going to be working with StakeDAO and potentially some other folks who are designed to lock up Curve, um, Convex and the like, to try to get some of these things through. Um, and so I think, these are the types of things that uh, you can expect from us when we start, when we actually ship these connections is like really tapping into the DeFi ecosystem on Ethereum that maybe people in Cosmos have no idea about, um, but sort of, you know, we've been passively involved in for, for quite some time. So I, I feel like I asked you this last time we talked, but um, I want to briefly touch on LSD providers in the Dot Summit ecosystem. Um, at Shape Protocol, we're very interested in liquid staking derivatives as they represent a more capital efficient form of collateral as well as more capital efficient form of liquidity. Um, you know, there's lower opportunity costs for liquidity providing or um, borrowing against liquid staking derivatives. Um, and you know we're we're particularly interested in, especially with the onboarding of dot pools, particularly interested in um, onboarding of liquid staked dot. Um, obviously you have a much better connection with uh, and much better finger on the pulse of Polkadot ecosystem, but 
are there currently any liquid staking providers for DOT? Um, and I, I don't know if this is something you guys are working on. Uh, I know you guys have had your hands in a few things, but just curious yeah. if there's what's going on there. Yeah, so there is Bifrost. They offer VDOT at the moment. That's probably the biggest liquid staking token out there for for DOT. But a bit of an alpha leak, like we are launching our own liquid stake DOT. Um, someone would ask ask me why like aren't you guys an interoperability project yes but um and i don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this stuff but like we're very interested in restaking as a general framework and paradigm um restaking on ethereum is interesting obviously but i think it has a massive opportunity cost um like if you use your STE with an AVS, um, you have 100% downside and little to no actual upside, um, like other than just getting incentivized with with tokens from other projects. So for us, restaking is potentially a way. Uh, the, there's this team called Primev that just put out this thing called MEV Commit. Um, I don't expect something like that to um to work unless there was like uh economic security behind the commitments and so we're thinking about how do we use restaked assets to to do things like commitments between searchers builders proposers relayers etc um again to be able to monetize the order flow that's passing through these ibc connections so that hopefully users can trade for you know heavily subsidized and what they would otherwise be paying if if we weren't doing these various commitments so that's kind of the goal and because of that we saw an opportunity to like launch liquid stake dot and try to put it into this restaking protocol appreciate the the context on that carter i don't know if you wanted to touch on kind of what we've observed in the cosmos in general as far as liquid staking adoption obviously with our novel curve asymmetric concentrated liquidity curve that we utilize for shade swap um you know we have a curve that's specially built to handle liquid staking derivative swaps uh very efficiently and we've also seen um an incredible surgence uh of uh, liquid staked atom and a, and a various other liquid staked assets being used as collateral uh, on shade swap, and we also have our own liquid staking derivative we built for the Cosmos eco, or sorry for for Secret Network. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to touch on like why, at from Shade Protocol's perspective, we're we're interested in onboarding liquid staking derivatives. Not saying that we're not interested in base assets; they're they're always going to have their place. Um, but as far as use in DeFi, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on like what we've observed over the past year or so. I would say that. Yield-bearing assets are just very useful forms of collateral. Um, and the introduction of liquid staking tokens really has only started to hit mainstream DeFi adoption, I would say, in the last two years um, in, a, in a really meaningful way. And I think we're at just like the earliest stages, right? There's, there's going to be so many ideas that emerge the next, next couple of years. 
And so as a whole, we really want to build our DeFi suite and our DeFi liquidity around liquid staking tokens just because it's it's more efficient for the protocol to interact with and it's it's the preferred form of asset uh, for users themselves. So we ended up designing an, a novel AMM curve that's never been done before. For anyone familiar with like stable swap curves, uh, essentially you focus the liquidity um, around kind of like two assets that have the same target peg and you can kind of symmetrically on both sides of the curve place the liquidity so that the trading experience is, is really efficient, running under the assumption that both assets are kind of have known values that they're tracking. And what we kind of realized is what if you took what Curve is doing um, but allowed for asymmetric placement um, of the liquidity because the relationship between an L1 token and a staking derivative is actually super, super predictable um, but there's trading ranges where if you use a symmetrical curve, you're just placing liquidity on trading ranges that are never going to get hit because if the uh, staking derivative ever starts trading above peg and arbor will instantly arbit by minting out the staking derivative and selling it. So long and short, we, we improved on and made some changes to curve and, and their AMM math. We also improved some of the gas computation efficiencies there. So really cool advancements on that front. Um, and yeah, we're going to continue to support liquid staking tokens for minting out silk. Um, we have, we are the largest ST atom backed stable coin in the cosmos. And actually we're still, I believe we're still the largest decentralized stable coin in cosmos. And that's largely on the back of liquid staking tokens and us kind of aggressively pursuing that as collateral out of the gates. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a great journey with, with those liquid staking protocols. And we would be very happy to support um, any sort of dot staking derivative as well. Appreciate that, Carter. Yeah, it's it's been kind of wild to uh, to see the continued adoption of liquid staking derivatives. I remember recording our first podcast uh, talking about STKD Secret uh, right after it launched, and I remember throwing around a lot of uh, a lot of predictions of like. You know, this is going to continue to grow, uh, but there's definitely going to be some fallout. Someone's going to continue experimenting and eventually we'll find out what causes things to break and we'll adjust uh, from there. But it's a really interesting niche of uh, DeFi that we've kind of gotten to watch grow before our eyes over the past uh, two years as, as Shade has grown. Yeah, and one, one piece of alpha I'll add, I'm actually in office right now with right after this call, I'm actually we're wrapping up scoping a product that's already kind of the MVP has already been developed. And the idea is no one's really built vaults for long form arbitrage, right? So there's these, all these opportunities where a liquid staking token trades under uh, its target redemption rate by a significant margin. And the arbitrage is super simple. Like you essentially, let's say we're talking about Adam here. You would trade your atom for ST atom and then unbond your your ST atom back to atom, and you'll actually end up with more atom than if you were just regularly staking your atom. So, like the we call it long form arbitrage here. And so, a product that we're going to be working on is vaults that anyone can deposit into, and it will passively arb um, the different discrepancies in these liquid staking markets. And this is super good for ShadeSwap because we end up with more trading volume. 
Uh, it also means that the trading experience is is significantly uh, improved. So I, I think we'll start seeing these types of arbitrage products become much more popular. And it's even interesting hearing Brainjar talk about IBC as a form of order flow, um, because even like that cross chain arbitrage and how it interacts with long form arbitrage is, is interesting in its own right too. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. So uh, I know we've been going about 45 minutes, so I've got two, two more main questions uh, for both you guys. Um, regarding Composable, I know you guys have been working on some proposals for seeding liquidity uh, across a few different chains and DeFi products. Um, seems like this has been happening more and more as DeFi products are looking to make the case that layer ones can increase their token distribution and, and earning potential uh, for community pools or strategic reserves um, through these sorts of liquidity deals. Curious, Branger, how, how has that been received thus far? And, um, you know, are you guys changing your approach to, to how you're looking to spread dot liquidity outside of Polkadot? Yeah, I would say like, um, this whole notion of like treasuries deploying, being deployed uh, to do this type of like cross pollination liquidity providing wasn't super well received, to be honest. Um, it is something we're looking at still trying again in the dot ecosystem, um, but no real time frame for when we're gonna ship that. I think probably like a few weeks from now. Um, like it would be really nice if essentially like, you know, there was a framework also within Cosmos that will allow, to, allow us to sort of deploy this treasury um, into loan sort of covenant stuff. This is a bit what the time wave folks are trying to do. I think that's exactly the right direction. Um, so like, whether or not the community votes in support of that, not really sure. We're trying something where we're gonna set up a sort of bounty program for liquidity provisioning that any project can can do. And it's run by like a committee of a bunch of the leaders in the parachain ecosystem and you know, try to get dot liquidity flowing into the ecosystem. Um, I think it's important that dot starts to be used as collateral for different things like silk um, and on lending protocols as well. So that actually, be, you know, so that there's more use cases of DAW, um, generally speaking. And I think the only way that that, um, that comes about is probably through treasury deployment. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, when we were talking about Pablo that there wasn't really any DEXs that say, tickled your fancy, so to speak, uh, on, on Polkadot. Do you think that has anything to, to do with, like, the willingness to deploy liquidity? Um, Carter, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, like, what we've kind of seen in the cosmos as far as, like, what, you know, what, what sort of deals have had greater uh, chance of success in the past uh, relative to others. Um, it seems like some chains are just, in general, mo much more willing to deploy capital than others. Um, and it seems like the the older the chain, the more hesitant, so to speak, they are about deploying liquidity. But just curious if you guys have any thoughts on that. I think a lot of it, I think Brainjar had a really good point, which is 
we're lacking, you know, you know, this covenant-esque infrastructure where protocols can really parameterize and programmatically have these liquidity deals in a way that is based on a smart contract and not just based off of, you know, hey, you're a trusted brand, like let's form a deal and chuck liquidity at a multi-sig or something, right? Which honestly, like it's still good that those deals are happening because like you got to use the tools available to you right now. And if and if both sides are aware of the risks and are happy to take the risk, then I think it's it's a net positive. But once we kind of have covenant-esque tooling across IBC and across different ecosystems, the doors should open up because I think the biggest pushback is usually about the security risks. I mean, there's always going to be people that say like, oh, in permanence loss. And it's like, yeah, but also you're, from the protocol's perspective, you're improving accessibility. So like, it's like a protocol's perspective on impermanence loss, I think is very different than like a trader's perspective on impermanence loss because like their timeframes and their objectives are very, very different. So I, I don't think impermanence loss is a criticism of protocols teaming up is it's it is an argument, but I, I think it's I think it's a weaker argument compared to concerns around the security of these liquidity deals. Um, so in summary, liquidity deals will continue to happen. I think they're super, super strong. Protocols should team up, they should cross pollinate. Um and improving those security primitives that power those deals should help accelerate that adoption curve. Yeah, the work that <clears throat> the work that TimeWave is doing right now is definitely going to be uh, really critical for growing the accessibility of all these different um, tokens and kind of. I like the term cross pollinating. That that seems like a really good and fitting word for what's happening with uh, the use of treasuries. Um, so to round this uh, Twitter space out. Um, I want to talk to you guys about what you're most looking forward to in the next few months, and I know. Uh, oh, brain jar just ended up having to drop, but uh, give him a second. Okay, yeah. So, um, I'm curious what you guys are are most uh, excited about over the next few months. Obviously, we're going into 2024. Got a fresh year ahead of us, and I know at Shade Protocol we've got a lot of things on the docket that we're looking forward to. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. But I want to ask you, brain jar, what are you most excited about um, that Composable is working on right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a pretty watershed moment for Composable, generally speaking. Um, we are, like, launching ETH IBC, so that's pretty big. Um, Solana IBC as well. And then hoping to also get in the hands of users this intense stuff. Um, and I think from there, you know, just adding fuel to the fire and breathing to life some of this value accrual mechanism of the cross-chain MEV stuff. Um, that's kind of my major areas of focus. And then, yeah, we're, we're also launching liquid staking and, and with it, some restaking primitives and, and these pieces sort of begin to fall into place to, to really have this like product that lets people do essentially anything um, across all these different ecosystems powered by IBC. Yeah, that's, oh man, the, 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 just as a user, when you hear like you can do pretty much anything you want, that, that's, 
that's very enticing because you know nowadays at least in the cosmos right you go to a particular app it's like okay i can do one thing here uh, and then if i want to access a different DeFi opportunity i have to go to another app and then potentially use another bridge to go over here and being able to wrap all that up into um you know a single interface or or this single uh user experience um is going to be really powerful and i'm in particular, really curious to see how the, this cross-chain MEV uh, deployment as a form of value accrual goes. That sounds um, very interesting. Carter, I'm curious. Obviously, you know everything that's moving around in the background at Shade Protocol. I'm curious if there's any particular thing that you're interested in. Again, I know it's hard to distill excitement down uh, for a single product or, or a single release, um, but what what are you most excited about going into 2024 it would it would be easy to point to product but i'm actually not going to point to product for once um i think 2024 is a is going to be a turning point for privacy i think there's going to be a big flight to privacy as the battle over sovereignty um becomes bigger and bigger as traditional finance merges into this world of decentralized finance. And these, these decentralized protocols are going to have to make a choice, right? Um, there's going to be your hybrids, your highly centralized, your highly decentralized. Um, but I think, I think within that process of, I guess I would call it the chains of centralization starting to clank, louder and louder. I think the work that Shade Protocol has done with building this unstoppable, decentralized, private banking protocol once these final primitives get shipped, I think it's going to have its, its moment in the sunlight uh, just because the attributes are so strong. And um, I think privacy has been grossly undervalued um, by Web3. And that's in my opinion, that's because there really hasn't been an, a direct oppression around people's money and how they move around within crypto yet. It has been a, a largely a wild west. Um, but I think there's a turning point coming. And that's what Shade Protocol is here for. We've, we've been building with sovereignty in mind because at the end of the day, it's, it's your data, it's your money, and it's your decisions. And that's, that's ultimately what we're, we're here to power. You know, that's a perfect way to not talk about product and, and still be able to allude to product. Um, you know, the as someone who is initially drawn to Shade Protocol because of this privacy preservation with DeFi interactions and, and being kind of on the receiving end of this, uh, the receiving end of value extraction, um, you know, seeing what we've built thus far over the past two years and, and I guess more uh, more publicly in the past year has been really, it, it's been kind of wild to, to see the work that we've done, the growth that we've seen while also seeing, you know, governments across the world continue to effectively talk about shutting down this uh, digital self-sovereignty for users all over the world. Not, not just us governments. I mean, governments really all over the, all over the world talking about slowly eroding away individual self-sovereignty and, and I think with crypto and with blockchains, um, blockchain technology, we have a 
we have a really, really good shot with being able to preserve um, and empower digital self-sovereignty. It's like the access to, uh, you know, globally, globally, globally accessible finance, the ability to protect your data, the ability to choose when you share uh, data. It's incredibly powerful. And so I'm really happy that we're getting to work with the team uh, Composable Finance to be able to extend that offering to assets within uh, the Dot Summit ecosystem. And, and, you know, through their work with um, expanding IBC, eventually we'll be able to extend this value proposition to more and more assets. So, you know, from our perspective, you know, we love what you guys are doing at Composable Finance. And hope you guys keep chugging along and seeing the success you've seen thus far. Yeah, and thank you for supporting privacy and Seeger Network. I think it speaks a lot to the projects that work with Seeger Network and Shade because there is extra friction to integrate with us. Um, so we we appreciate you guys and um, we we salute you and your building. Well, with that, I think we can. Uh, I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. Um, I don't see any any hands up for questions. If anyone does have any questions, um, feel free to raise your hand and request, and we can bring you up. If not, we can close this out here in just a moment. Um, Brainjar, do you guys have anything uh, going on that you want people to go and interact with? Like, how can people go and interact with this ETH uh, IBC testnet if people want to go check that out? Yeah, so app.trustus.zone. Um, hit the Ethereum tab. Check it out. Play around with it. We're launching our... We're doing this, like, mission thing to, to get... Um, to show people, like, you know, that this technology is coming and what the power of it is. The last mission was... Uh, bridge Pika and create a pool or swap in a pool on Uniswap on Gwirly. Um The next mission is going to be Balancer. So going to use assets on Balancer. And then we have a few interesting other missions happening like over the next couple, coming weeks. So yeah, feel free to use the test set. Um, we want as many people using it as possible. And yeah, like looking forward to seeing you all at Mainnet as well. And thanks for having me, guys. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm a sucker for uh, testnet deployments. Uh, I We ran a really large incentivized testnet at the beginning of 2023 as we were rolling out ShadeSwap and ShadeLend, and we saw some phenomenal engagement during that time period that uh, both helped grow our community and helped us uh, improve the user interface and the experience for users using um, our DEX and our lending product. And we're going to be launching another incentivized test net here for our private money market. Uh, I don't have a time for like a strict time frame, but here in the next, let's say month or so, maybe. I think, I think it'll be in December. I think it'll happen. There we go. And that'll be a really, really, really awesome, uh, experience for anyone wanting to see what privacy preservation looks like when you're borrowing and lending assets. Um, you know, oftentimes with privacy, it's harder for individuals to see and feel the value there until you don't have it and you've had value extracted. Um, so this would be a good chance for users to be able to interact with it and see some of the, some of the surface level differences between interacting with private money markets relative to public money markets. So keep an eye out on announcements over the next month. 
um, for when we're going to be launching that. It'll be ran very similarly to our last one. Um, so we'll, we'll share all the information with that when the time comes. But appreciate both you guys joining us today. Appreciate Composable team being here as well. Uh, with this, I think we can go ahead and wrap up this Twitter space. It's been a great conversation. Um, like Brainjar said, if you guys are looking to check out the ETH IBC testnet, go check out app.trustless.zone. Um, and anyone who's looking to uh, interact with Shade Protocol for the first time, get to try out uh, private DeFi, you can find us at app.shadeprotocol.io. Um, as always, make sure to follow Composable Finance's Twitter accounts down here in the listeners. Follow the Shade Protocol account to stay up to date with all our announcements. And with that, we can wrap it up. As always, there's always room in the shade, guys. Hope you guys have a great day. Motherfucker screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days, got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear, flexing broken knives I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting knives And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning, forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines. They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle Eats, tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served